the birth of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them there. I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people who you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. Thanks, Lucy. That's great. Friends, do keep those... uh, uh... Verses from Nehemiah 1 open in front of you, that way you can follow through what I'm saying and see that it's there in the passage. Uh, And let me pray for us as we open God's word and expect him to speak. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for the privilege this afternoon that's ours to hear you speak. Please, would you give us open hearts, attentive minds um, uh, to hear you afresh. And Father, we pray these words will be so helpful for us as a church at this stage in our history. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. How are you feeling about being part of Kenilworth Community Church at the moment? Be honest. Some of us might be feeling disengaged. We've not really enjoyed church online. We struggled to connect with others over the past months. And that's led us to wonder whether anyone would really miss us if we stopped coming. Whether we really do belong here. Whether we've made a mistake settling. Some of us might be uncertain. The prospect of a leadership transition we're now in is distressing. It's not what we anticipated. We're fearful of what the future might look like or what shape church life will have in the coming days. 
some of us are more optimistic. We don't mind change that gives us energy. We can always see better things on the horizon. We're excited about the prospect of a new full-time elder joining us, bringing fresh vision to us as a church. Some of us are relatively new and we found something attractive here. We're raring to go. Others of us are wondering whether to make KCC our spiritual home. And for us, the next few months are really make or break, whether we settle down or move on. Others of us are probably feeling a mix of all those emotions. And frankly, we're just numb because of it. We're just in maintenance mode. The spiritual equivalent of a laptop going into safe mode when it's struggling to recover and repair itself. So how are you feeling honestly about being part of KCC today? I get those different responses. I, I, I really do. And I want to say, however you're feeling today, it is great that you are here this afternoon. It's great because God has things to say to you, to us, about the future of KCC and our role in it. You see, I think we can all agree that we need something of a reboot as KCC. We need to learn again who we are as a church, I think. Our foundational documents helpfully set loads of them out. They're like the foundations of the house, aren't they? But now we need to apply those principles to our shared life. We need to develop a culture, like the kind of culture that develops in families with all sorts of unspoken kind of lines of behaviour. A culture where you know not to bring your mobile phone to the dinner table because that's the time to talk with, to, each, to one another. Or the unspoken assumption that, of course, you always watch the Queen at Christmas. Or you don't wait to be asked to tidy up. You just pitch in because you can see the needs. Those intangible, shared moments of family life. We need to learn those again. We need to learn again what God has put us in Kenilworth for. The gradual relaxing of restrictions restores to us the opportunity to play our part in the mission that God has given us as a church. To be disciples who make disciples. And let's be honest, that mission has been massively impacted in the past month, hasn't it? We need to learn again how to interact as God's people, as a family. The fact that lots of us have been disconnected from one another under lockdown is huge. And we mustn't underestimate the relearning process that needs to happen. The muscle memory has gone a bit flabby and we need to kind of firm it up again in terms of our relationships with one another and so friends it is great news that in our Sunday services for this term ahead we're going to find resources to help us reboot today from the story of an ancient reboot of God's people Israel then we're landing in the book of Nehemiah it's kind of like his leadership autobiography but forget Lord Sugar or Richard Branson. This is proper leadership we're dealing with. It's 445 BC. The fortunes of God's people are at a low ebb. They've been allowed to return to their ancestral homeland, the, the land of Israel, almost a century earlier, after the horrific events of the exile to Babylon, where the people were deported. 
And yet when Nehemiah 1 opens, look at the situation of God's people, verse 3. Those who survived the exile and now are back in the province, the land of Israel, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Wow, you thought things were tough for us. They needed a reboot. And their reboot involved them coming together as God's people to push forward God's work under the inspiring leadership of God's man, Nehemiah. And we could do a lot worse than adopt that pattern today, couldn't we? Over the term, we'll be called through the book of Nehemiah to be involved in God's work from the youngest of us to the oldest of us drawing together in unity, shaping our community life along the lines of justice and love and patience for one another. We'll be reminded that God's work moves forward as his people pray, as they set their hearts on obeying him and taking bold action. And those of us who are leaders, Not just those of us with an official role in the church, but all of us who have influence on others, either in our homes or in our home groups, will be helped to grow as the leaders God calls us to be. But ultimately, this book will help us meet God. It will encourage us to look to him, to follow him, to trust his sovereign purposes, to see his church built and the nations reached for the glory of Jesus. So will you join with me in praying that over the coming weeks, God helps us reboot well as KCC, as we learn the lessons from God's people there. In the opening chapter of Nehemiah this afternoon, we're going to see that rebooting God's work involves three things. Perspective, prayer, and possibilities. We start with perspective. That's the first four verses. Perspective. Rebooting God's work starts with having the right perspective. You see, we see that in how Nehemiah responds when the visitors from Judah and Jerusalem arrive in Susa, one of the royal cities and palaces where the king of Persia, King Artaxerxes, uh, had his base and where Nehemiah was living. Look at verse two. I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. So Nehemiah took the opportunity to get a first-hand project update from those who'd been in Jerusalem and who'd seen how things were going for the Jews who had returned home after the exile. He's a man who's interested in the state and situation of God's people. He switched on to those kind of realities. We see more of his perspective in how he responds to the devastating news about the situation of the exiles and the ruin of Jerusalem. Look at verse four. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted. Nehemiah is overwhelmed by the situation of God's people. He sits down in humiliation. He weeps in desperation. He mourns and fasts as a sign of sorrow over the situation of God's people. And so we we have to ask, why is he so moved? 
Well, partly because Jerusalem is vulnerable. They've got no defensive walls. The gates that would have provided some security are in bits. They're burned with fire. It's that experience you know when you're out and about and you realise that you've left your front door unlocked or open and you're constantly aware in the back of your mind how vulnerable you are until you get home and lock everything up and are safe and secure again. It's that kind of feel. The people of Israel are in great trouble and disgrace. They're open to attack from every angle. They're at the mercy of the hostile people surrounding them. And yet Nehemiah's perspective is ultimately bigger than that. It's it's God-centered. You see, in the culture of the day, the reputation of a god was bound up with the status of the people who worshipped that god. It's kind of like how some of us feel uh, about a nation. Uh, uh, Being part of this nation kind of fluctuates depending on the success of the English football team at various major tournaments. Uh, When England are winning, well, we're proud to be English because our state is, in some sense, bound up with them. Or when England start losing, we talk about being part of the United Kingdom. Uh, We we downplay our Englishness a little bit. That's the kind of dynamic. What does it say about Israel's God if the capital city is a smoking ruin of broken buildings? Well, not much. And further, God had made some amazing promises elsewhere in the Old Testament of worldwide universal blessing that would come to all nations from a restored, renewed Jerusalem where his people were secure. But none of that seems to be happening. It looks like God's purposes have stalled. It seems God's purposes are as much in ruins as his people. It seems that God's people are humiliated. That's why Nehemiah's cut to the heart. That's his perspective on the things he's living through. So friends, the question is simple, if a challenging one. What is our perspective on the reboot we need as KCC? Ultimately, why do we want KCC to be rebooted? There are lots of answers to that question that might revolve around us our needs or our preferences. And those things do have a place. After all, Nehemiah is concerned for the welfare of God's people. We should want KCC to be rebooted successfully because it will encourage us. It will be good for our families. It will give structure to our weeks. And yet surely the greatest reason why we should want KCC to be successfully rebooted is because we're convinced that this is God's purpose for us. And and that somehow, in some way, his glory is bound up with our status as his people. We want to be rebooted because we're God's people. We want to work together for the progress of the gospel in this town because that is God's mission. We want to reconnect with one another because that brings God glory. See, we should weep where we haven't experienced the fullness of church life in recent months. We shouldn't be placidly accepting of that. We should weep where it hasn't happened. We should be humble where we haven't been all that God has called us to. We should mourn at how the pandemic has dislocated our ministry as a church. And as we do so, we should set our hearts on the ultimate reason why we should want KCC to be rebooted. 
so that we can bring God glory together, so that we can display his greatness to our town, confident that it is his purpose to have his people serving him faithfully in this place. That's the perspective we're going to need, friends, if we're going to reboot KCC successfully. It begins with perspective. That's the first thing about rebooting God's work. You see. It begins with perspective. Second thing about rebooting God's work for us today is it involves prayer, perspective, and now prayer. That's verses 4 through to 11. Rebooting God's work involves prayer. And that's at the heart of this chapter, isn't it? Nehemiah praying for God to ultimately do the work and reboot his people. And that is significant. Before Nehemiah actually does anything directly about the situation, and he does loads, we'll see that in the coming chapters, he stops and he prays repeatedly. And that is important. And I find that challenging. If I'm being honest, I'm, I'm someone who's prone to throw themselves into action to try and solve problems. And that is good. Yet I need to remember Nehemiah's posture here and make sure to take time to pray alongside taking action. Wouldn't it be great if all of us together took time to pray alongside anything we are called to in terms of taking action in the coming weeks and months? An easy way we can do this is to sign up to pray specifically as we lead up to the recruitment day on, uh, on Saturday. Do sign up if you'd like to do that. But to help us do that, we need to notice four things particularly about Nehemiah's prayer. Firstly, the person Nehemiah is praying to, look at verse 5. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. The person Nehemiah is praying to. He identifies that person as the Lord, uh, Yahweh, the personal covenant keeping God of Israel's long history. This God is not limited He's the God of Israel, but he's not tribal. No, he's the God of heaven. He's great and he's awesome. He's deeply committed to his people with love and loyalty and responds positively to them when they reciprocate his love with obedience. See, Nehemiah pleads with this mighty and gracious and powerful God to pay attention when he prays. And as we pray for God to reboot the work at KCC, we too can call out to a God who has the power to answer in wonderful ways. We pray to the God of heaven and the God who has a willingness to answer the prayers of his people because he loves us. So let's humbly cry out to the Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome one today. We see that in a person name I have praised to. Secondly, thing about the prayer is that the problem facing Nehemiah, look at verse 6 and 7, the problem facing Nehemiah. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We've not obeyed the command, decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. Do you see the problem? The Lord keeps covenant with those who love him. But that's not been Israel's track record. That's not been their strength up to the point. They've been faithless, disobedient, rebellious. 
So it is crucial that Nehemiah confess his sin and the sin of the people if God's work is to be rebooted properly. That's the problem that Nehemiah needs to address at the heart of God's people. And if we are going to pray for KCC to be rebooted, we too need to make sure that we're walking closely with the Lord, confessing our sins to him and finding his grace and forgiveness. It's healthy to develop a pattern of confession because that reminds us we're always dependent on God's grace. And that is a great place to be because God's grace, like his whole character, is infinite and endless and limitless. Grace is a tap in our lives that's never going to be turned off. It's always going to drip, 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 drip. As God showers grace upon grace into our lives. We can humbly confess our sins, confident there is covenant grace and mercy open to us again today. That's the problem Nehemiah addresses in his prayer. The third thing we need to see is the promise that Nehemiah bases his request on, the promise that he bases his request on. He asked God to remember a promise that God himself had earlier made to Moses. Look at verse eight. Here's the promise. He quotes back to God. If you return to me, that is God, and obey my commands, then even if your exalted people are at the farthest horizon, the greatest distance away that you could ever imagine, I will gather them from there and bring them home. Bring them to the place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. See, as Nehemiah seeks to pray, he, he finds inspiration about what to pray in God's words. And as Nehemiah prays, in a sense, he is returning. He is obeying. He is fulfilling the conditions of the promise that God has made. Confident now then that God will keep his side of the deal and restore scattered Israel to Jerusalem and make his name dwell there again. And this process began when the first wave of exiles returned to Jerusalem. But Nehemiah knows it needs to continue and prays it will do so as he seeks to see the city rebuilt and the work rebooted. And so friends, as we pray for God to reboot KCC, let's be confident we can pray God's promises back to him, asking him to keep the things he promises in his words. Consciously, he longs to bless his people and establish his name in this town. Let's take time to dig into God's word and find inspiration from what God promises us so that we can pray those promises back to him. Maybe literally quoting the words we find in the Bible to help us if we're struggling to know what to pray. I do that all the time when I just don't know what to pray. Get the Bible open and pray what the Bible says. That's the kind of prayer God hears. It's good for us to do that. Or maybe kind of using the promises of God's word as like a launch pad so that we can pray God's promises back to him in our own words. Kind of like musicians use the framework of musical scales but love improvising freely and faithfully within that framework to put the rhythm and melody in their own ways. Either way, we're using God's word and that's the promise we're basing our prayers on. And fourthly, let's notice the petition then that Nehemiah finally makes right at the end of the prayer. That petition comes in verse 11. Give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of this man. 
Nehemiah lists the reasons why God should listen to his prayer. Israel are God's people. And God's already invested considerable energy in rescuing them from slavery in Egypt and exile in Babylon. So it kind of makes no sense for God to give up on them now. He's gone this far. He might as well carry on. And Nehemiah prays that God will give him success by granting him a favorable conversation with this man. That is King Artaxerxes, we'll see in chapter two next week. Isn't that striking? He prays for a successful interaction with this man. He's talking about the most powerful man in the known world of his day. Kind of like Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping all rolled into one. A king of the mighty Persian Empire. But now he's relativized to being this man in comparison with the God of heaven that he's praying That's Nehemiah's petition. He prays for God's work to be rebooted. Friends, we too need to pray for God's work to be rebooted. So the reboot to happen, we need perspective, we need prayer. Thirdly, and briefly, we need to think about possibilities as well. Prayer, uh, perspective, and thirdly, possibilities. That's the final sentence, second half of verse 11. Rebooting God's work involves being alert to the possibilities open to us. Because now the exact situation Nehemiah is in becomes clear. We read verse 11, I was cupbearer to the king. Big deal. Except it is a big deal. (laughs) Nehemiah has the possibility of being able to do something about the situation of God's people. He's cupbearer to the king. That was a position of great responsibility within the empire. It involved having regular access to the king, being a trusted friend and support and companion. He, he in essence, is the right man for the right moment in the right place. He has a platform to speak to the king about the plight of Israel and begin to see the long prayed for reboot take shape. Hence, he prays, give your servant success by granting him favor in the presence of this man. He prays that God will use him in the position he's already in. He is alert to the possibilities of how he can play his part if God's work is to be rebooted. He's alert to the possibilities. So friends, I I ask you, what, what possibilities are open already to you to see KCC rebooted so that you can pray for success in those ventures? Maybe it's a matter of the gifts that you have, which could be the start of a new ministry for us. Or or maybe in the process of becoming a church member, which would give you the chance to be involved in the reboot right at the heart of the church family. Or maybe in increasing your financial giving that would enable us to continue to support and pay a full-time elder. Those are all possibilities at this stage of our history as a church. Can I suggest that I think one of the most important possibilities open to us at this moment to help us reboot is to invest deeply and deliberately in our relationships with one another. I think at this moment in our church history, we need to be committed to being people available to one another. 
So why not look out for someone in the church that you already have some connection with? There's already some shared kind of connection there. And see that as a possibility God has put before you to encourage them, to speak the truth of the gospel to them in some way, to build them up in faith. Maybe as you pray for them and tell them that you're doing that. Maybe as you go for a socially distanced coffee or walk in the next couple of weeks. Maybe just picking up the phone and talking to them and saying, hello, I was thinking about you. But we need to be honest. If we're going to make the most of this possibility, this will require time. A willingness to guard space in our diaries for one another as KCC family, especially as the intensity of life begins to ramp up again as restrictions look like they're coming to an end. Can I urge you, think, please, if it is a possibility open to you, is there a way to, of not automatically going back to those old patterns where maybe we were potentially too busy or too stretched to really invest in our relationships together as a church? Maybe we have the possibility to change things concerning that. See, if KCC is going to be successfully rebooted, we must be alert to the possibilities. Alert to the possibilities. So how are you feeling about being part of KCC right at this moment? Positive? Negative? Fearful? Optimistic? Engaged, disinterested. However we feel today, can I encourage us to take to heart these three aspects that need to be in our, in our heads and hearts if we're going to see the work rebooted successfully. We need perspective, prayer, a possibility. But as we finish, let's remember that although Nehemiah does model these things for us, he isn't the ultimate model of these things. Now, Nehemiah points us beyond himself to the Lord Jesus, doesn't he? You see, like Nehemiah, Jesus' perspective on God's people led him also to weep for the sad state of Jerusalem and to undertake a far more hazardous journey than going from Susa to Jerusalem. Now, his journey took him from the glory of heaven to the humiliation of the cross. See, like Nehemiah, Jesus' prayers for God's people were costly. And he continues to pray for us today, interceding for us in heaven for our weakness. And his prayers are always pleasing to the Father. And so always answered with a great yes. And like Nehemiah, Jesus was open to the possibility of how he could be involved in rebooting God's people. And that led him to enter our world to give his life as a sacrifice for our sins, to rise again to new life and now be enthroned as king of the ages. So friends, as we work together to reboot KCC, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us consider him who endured such opposition from sin so that we do not grow weary and lose heart. That's what we need, friends. It's what I need. It's what you need. Let me pray that that's exactly what happens 
as we seek to reboot KCC with God's help. Let's pray. Father God, we uh, pray so much for your grace, wisdom and help to be your people in these days. Father, some of us in our church family are really excited and optimistic and pumped for the future. Others of us are struggling and feeling uncertain and fearful and a whole range of things in between those two poles. And so, Father, we desperately pray in your grace and mercy, give us as KCC your perspective on this work. Move our hearts to ultimately desire to see this church flourish because of your glory and our firm conviction that our growth and health will be a way of testifying to your goodness and grace to the people around us. Move our hearts to pray, we pray. Break us from our self-sufficient pride and humble us before our need of you, the great God of heaven. Teach us to pray. Thank you that we have so much reason and incentive and encouragement to pour our hearts out to you because you are great and mighty and you keep your covenant of love. Help us to pray for the work. Pray for our hearts, to pray for one another, to pray for our leaders, to pray for the future. And move our hearts, we pray, Lord, to be aware of the possibilities open to us right now where we might be able to serve you and see your work advance. Whatever that may be, whatever that will look like in our different lives, prompt us by your spirit, we pray, to be alert for those possibilities where we might be the right person in the right place at the right time to serve you and be used by you to bless others. Father, these are big prayers. They are beyond us in so many ways. Who is sufficient for these things? And yet we take confidence that we pray them in the presence of the one who is the Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Thank you that we can be confident that as we pray, your ear is attentive and your eyes are open to hear the prayer your servants are praying before you today. Because we ask it in through the beautiful name of Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Amen.